0: This is the WQA podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the residential, commercial, and industrial water treatment community. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed.
1: There are regulatory proposals at play for both contaminants, and that will result in political battles which are going to keep both of these contaminants in the news.
0: That's Eric Yaghi, the WQA Technical Affairs Director, talking about his contaminant predictions for 2024. And welcome to the weekly podcast of the Water Quality Association, promoting better water quality around the world. If you're a first time listener or new to the industry, welcome. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a show. That's the magic of podcasting. And be sure to share the podcast with someone on your team. Also, we now feature these podcasts on YouTube. Go on over to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash at Water Quality Association videos. And in this episode, we're joined by WQA Technical Affairs Director Eric Yege for his predictions for 2024. We'll look back at which contaminants got the most attention in 2023, whether there were any surprises, what top contaminants will be making news in 2024, what regulatory issues we should be aware of, and how we will be addressing these and other topics at the WQA Convention and Exposition coming up March 5th through the 7th in Orlando. And we look forward to seeing you there. If you have not yet registered, you need to do so at wqa.org slash convention. Plus, we'll have our WQA tip. And now, on to my conversation with Eric Yeagie on the WQA Podcast. Eric, nice to join you again, as we do every year, one of our more popular podcasts. We talk with you about your predictions of what kind of contaminants and challenges the water treatment industry might face in the coming year. So first of all, welcome, glad you're
1: here. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Wes. I always enjoy this conversation.
0: As we look back at 2023 for just a moment to get things rolling, which contaminants got the most attention?
1: So PFAS definitely captured the attention of the media and public officials. There were continuous educational tracks on PFAS at every technical conference that I attended in 2023. And there's a great deal of political pressure on the EPA to impose tighter regulation on PFAS, including the regulation of PFAS levels in our drinking water. But I'm not seeing a lot of evidence yet that consumers are aware of in-home treatment solutions for PFAS. In fact, even many of the drinking water engineers that I speak with are surprised to learn that there are in-home solutions for PFAS. Uh, We did see an increased concern about the disposal of used activated carbon and used anion exchange media that might have captured PFAS. Even though there's no regulation yet or no proposed regulation yet to restrict the disposal of PFAS-laden waste, many of the landfills have stopped accepting this type of waste in anticipation of this type of regulation and the resulting liability that comes with it. And um, switching over to the wastewater side, we uh, we continue to see rising chloride levels uh, are a concern in many areas of the country. We've seen actions by regulatory officials and other authorities and code writers to discourage or restrict the use of softeners to mitigate the chloride discharge. And this is a problem that is going to continue to happen across the country. And the industry needs to remain diligent about configuring softeners to minimize the use of salt.
0: So, were there any surprises uh, in 2023, Eric?
1: Yes. Um, although we talked a year ago about public officials and drinking water authorities potentially exploring final barrier options for water quality issues, I was pleasantly surprised by the extent of their interest. And let me give you a few examples. Polly e. Undiser, our CEO, and Shannon Murphy, one of our members, was were both invited to participate in the American Water Works Association Water 2050 initiative. For those not familiar with that initiative, this was a group of five think tanks or committees that were asked to describe what the water industry is going to look like in 30 years. And all five of those committees concluded that point of use and point of entry treatment solutions are going to play an important role. Uh, On a personal note, I was invited to be one of the trainers in a half-day training event um, hosted by the EPA. This is an annual event that aims to uh, educate small system administrators on the various treatment technologies that are available to them for important contaminants in the drinking water. And I was honored by this invitation and happy to see that the EPA was acknowledging that point of use and point of entry is an important uh, treatment option to consider. Meanwhile, the WQA technical affairs team has been helping and providing technical support to various public officials and NGOs who are implementing point of use and point of entry for disadvantaged and underserved populations. And even in larger systems, we're seeing increased interest in final barrier solutions. For example, when uh, large systems are replacing their lead service lines, many of them are handing out filters to protect their consumers from spikes in lead. And one last example, uh, the state of Michigan um, implemented, uh, signed the filter first law, which promotes the use of filters in schools and daycares across the state. That's over 3,000 facilities. So lots of exciting interest from public officials in point of use and point of entry technologies.
0: That's fantastic. And it's great to see those improvements year by year. It seems like we make incremental changes and make further advancements for the uh, for the point of use and point of entry industry, as you, uh, as you noted. So that's great. Well, okay, let's talk about 2024. Will we continue to make progress? Uh, what are your top contaminants for the coming months?
1: Well, first, I think it's important to understand that the contaminants which get the most attention in the media are not necessarily the reason that people purchase in-home treatment. Why do we drink bottled water? Because it tastes great, it doesn't have any unpleasant odors. I think most people begin investigating water treatment options for aesthetic reasons. Maybe they don't like the taste of their water, maybe it has an odor, or maybe they're tired of cleaning hardness scale off bathroom tiles and fixtures. But I think aesthetic issues are the primary reason people start paying more attention to their water And once they start reading media articles and other information, they begin learning about these other contaminants, which have potential health implications. So now to your question, two contaminants that are going to continue dominating media reports on water quality are PFAS and lead. There are regulatory proposals at play for both contaminants, and that will result in political battles, which are going to keep both of these contaminants in the news.
0: All right, so PFAS and lead, mark that uh, down at some uh, point uh, uh, on your journal or where you're keeping track of these kinds of things. And then Eric, I guess the next question is, is the industry ready to deal with these issues or continue to develop responses to these issues?
1: So aesthetic contaminants are easy to deal with. Softeners can be used to remove hardness, of course and there's many treatment options to improve taste and remove odors. PFAS can be removed at the point of entry to the home with certain activated carbons or with PFAS selective anion exchange resins, or it can be removed at the point of use with filters or RO systems that are certified to remove PFAS. WQA has launched the PFAS portal to help educate water treatment dealers on this issue and to keep them up to date with relevant developments on PFAS, and I would encourage dealers to take full advantage of that resource. Lead, on the other hand, is typically removed at the point of use with filters or RO systems. It can be removed at the point of entry to the building, but then you risk picking it up again through the plumbing or through fixtures in the building. So to summarize, all of these water quality issues can be addressed with in-home treatment and there's a wide range of options available. I would also like to mention that that technical advances are accelerating rapidly in various fields that cross over to the water treatment industry. Material science, electronics, connectivity, sensors, and even artificial intelligence are all fields in which we've seen exciting new inventions. And while I can't say that, that 2024 is going to be the year that some innovative company or individual applies these new inventions to the water treatment industry, it's only a matter of time before that happens. So I would watch for some disruptors over the next five years or so.
0: Before we go further into that, which I I think that that's a great segue to convention, and I'll I'll, I'll hold that for a second. Uh, Any, you, you mentioned regulatory issues, you mentioned EPA a while back. What should we be uh, aware of when it comes to regulation?
1: There's a lot of that. That is a big topic was worthy of a whole separate webinar. I would say uh, listeners should stay tuned for the annual report and webinar from our government affairs team. This will air later in January. Members who haven't already signed up for that webinar should go ahead and do so. And we will include regulatory updates on PFAS and lead and many other issues.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, I mentioned convention and you mentioned technology and advancements and what uh, the word uh, that, uh, that comes to mind here, disruption. I love that word. What do you think in terms of how we will be addressing these topics at convention, which is coming up very soon, March 5 through 7 in Orlando, wqa.org slash convention to get all the details. But Eric, what should we look for?
1: Well, regulatory issues will be discussed at the government affairs committee meeting so that's one thing to look for and while we're talking about predictions the wqa industry research committee has done a great job revising the market research reports that we provide to members and these revised reports will be presented at convention they are now predictive in nature not just historical and they've been cross-correlated with many other data sets to validate their accuracy. So I think the predictive nature, the new predictive elements of these reports is gonna become very valuable for dealers as well as manufacturers. On the education side, there will be several sessions related to PFAS and lead and aesthetic issues in water. There will be a session about working with schools to remove lead, which is an emerging opportunity across the country, that's what the Michigan Filter First Law is about. And we will have a panel discussing discussing the implications of artificial intelligence, which should be exciting as well. And of course, all of the latest uh, technology and innovations will be on display in our exhibit hall.
0: Yeah, it really sounds like it's shaping up to be the ideal convention to attend. And if somebody is new to the industry, uh, they can find sort of, uh, what would you call it, class 101 type of education as well,
1: right? Absolutely. We have basic education at every every convention.
0: Very good. Well, Eric, this has been great. A good overview, things to keep in mind for the coming year, things to be aware of and on the lookout for. And how can our listeners and viewers of the podcast get in touch with technical affairs if they need more information or help?
1: Listeners can email me directly at eyeggy at wqa.org, or they can call WQA at 630-505-0160 and ask for the Technical Affairs Department. They can also just send an email to the WQA General Inbox, uh, which is wqa at wqa.org, and address it to the Technical Affairs team.
0: And just to make clear, our our members are getting the... uh what? More personalized treatment, right? It's not something that you can spend a lot of time in addressing for somebody who is not a member. But uh, I mean, we're courteous, of course, but it's not like they're going to get the, uh, the full treatment.
1: Yeah, we provide member technical support for core and premier members, but we do uh, help out wherever we can with non-members and with um, the industry members
0: very good and uh eric yege our technical affairs director is another reason why you want to belong to the water quality association any final thoughts eric about the coming year
1: well as always it's been a pleasure talking with you wes and thanks for everything that you do for wqa
0: very good eric yege technical affairs director joining us on the wqa radio podcast Our WQA tip, what's your greatest need in 2024? Chances are it's staying on top of what's changing in your field. And there's no better opportunity than the WQA convention and exposition. It's coming up in Orlando on March 5th through the 7th. 2024. We've got education on both technical and business operations topics, product demos and the latest technology, insights from peers, valuable networking opportunities. It's all there and more when you attend the WQA Convention and Exposition in Orlando, March 5th through the 7th. WQA Business Bootcamp, the WQRF Symposium, and the RO Sizing Workshop are all taking place one day earlier on March 4th. Learn more and register now at wqa.org convention and we will see you in Orlando. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the WQA podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment community. Learn more about WQA professional certification, product certification, and how you can become a member at wqa.org. This is Wes Bleed, so long from the Water Quality Association.